the Highway Trust Fund. Should we really be naming it that? My name is Chris Joslin, and welcome to Jaws Bites. Well, welcome again, everybody, to another edition of Jaws Bites. I am your host, Chris Joslin, and this is Jaws Bites. And we are going to be focusing in today on the Highway Trust Fund. Uh, maybe not aptly named. We'll go through a little bit of it. And, and you, as always, are welcome to participate and put your comments on the YouTube videos. Uh, you can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a number of other you know, platforms for, for podcasts that we're on. We welcome your feedback. We welcome your participation. And that's really what our part of our goal is as ilovelogistics.com, which comes across your screen if you're watching the video, ilovelogistics.com. And, you know, that's something you can go to. You can get your aggregated news for the transportation supply chain industry. You can get your finger on the pulse as a professional as to what's going on in the industry. And to develop your your career, because these are big careers nowadays. You can get college degrees in it, et cetera. Or you can come to an online um, uh, platform like ourselves and get all kinds of information on a daily basis. Sign up and subscribe for free for our daily, which will come at you, as it says, daily. And you can, you can again, see all the things that are going on from places that you can have specific things that we put together under data bytes or a road scholar, these videos, these audios. You can subscribe to the website and become part of iLevel U and engage in some of our upcoming live activities that we'll be announcing very soon. All of this is being done to generate more interest in bringing transportation logistics kind of out of the shadows, if it were, from behind the curtain. You know, us as a, a community, as consumers out there in the nation, should know how things get to where they go and why. And, you know, part of that whole thing is kind of understanding overall how our our highways and byways work. You know, since the uh, early 1950s, actually 1956, is when the there was a mechanism put into place to fund interstate highways. That's why it was put into place in the, in, in originally. And it was called the Highway Trust Fund. And, you know, how does that work? As is a lot of things in our most recent history, it is being subsidized in a lot of ways that probably shouldn't be. You know, that's the, you know, the, the, what, is they, what do they say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? But it's still a roadway to hell. So in any event, um, you know, there's there's kind of a, a, a source of information as to how revenues were generated and are credited in our uh, in the U.S. system for highways. Now, most of this, as you can imagine, whether it's named a tax or not, it's a tax by any other name is still a tax, right? A rose by any other name is still a rose. Is that the same? I don't know if that's the same. But a tax by any other name is still a tax. And tax on gasoline accounts for a huge percentage of what goes on. So Congress established this Highway Trust Fund back in 1956 as a way for the federal government to really fund the construction of the interstate highway system. 
you know, and after much of that work was completed, spending shifted from that main initial impetus of funding the, the highway system um, to kind of managing and continuing to build upon that. And, uh, you know, the account was then administered by the, you know, Federal Transit Administration. Now, 82, it was, divide, it was divided into a highway account and a mass transit account, each one being handled by two separate entities, the Federal Highway Administration for one and the Federal Transit Administration for the other. And resources have always been difficult because right now the Congress is trying to, you know, figure out a way to uh, reauthorize something called the FAST Act or call it something new, which expires in September, at the end of September of this year. And the main impotent, the main difficulty around that is, of course, as is everything, funding, especially when you're spending trillions and trillions of dollars on other stuff that's infrastructure or not. Whether that goes through or not is a, another thing entirely, and it looks like the the uh, Republicans in, in the Senate have come up with an alternative plan that kind of focuses more in on traditional infrastructure projects as opposed to the omnibus kind of spending bill that the Biden administration has put forth, a $1.2 trillion, no, it's two point, a lot of trillions. And so this is about $600 billion. But, but in terms of the, the, the highway uh, trust fund, which I, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, find it kind of an odd way to put it, the, the revenue has to come from somewhere. And the federal coffers account for about 25% of the total spending on highway and transit projects. And most of that flows through the HTF. Um, the remainder is financed by state and local governments, as it should be, because that's the federalist system that we have. But the revenue sources are, are a mixed bag. But as you can possibly imagine, almost everything is dominated by some sort of tax. Most of the tax, uh, tax on gasoline, diesel, and other other fuel, uh, it accounts for about $36 billion of the overall federal trust fund on a year-to-year -year basis. That's about 82% of the revenue. That's as of 2019. Um, and right now, the receipts on the 18.4 cent per gallon tax, federal tax, is about $26 billion. The rest, the 24 in some change per gallon on diesel, accounts for about $10 billion of that. And those taxes have been in place since 1993, and they haven't changed since then. So there's a lot of focus on how to change, if they should change it, because the, 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 the way driving has changed over the years has to be viewed properly. You know, there's a lot of electric cars out now. There's a lot of more fuel-efficient cars out now. And so the ability for someone to drive further with less gasoline has impacted the, the scale dollars going toward these funds. So collectively, how do you look at this? There's a looming shortfall. You know, they're, they're, the rest of that budget, I said 82% or whatever I mentioned a moment ago, I think it was 82% comes from the, the fuel taxes of different kinds. But the rest of that comes from, you know, use taxes, heavy haul equipment, things like that that have to, to uh, spend a yearly fee, if you will, or licensing fee that goes into this fund as well. But the, the you know, CBO projects that the balances of both highway and transit accounts for the highway trust fund will be exhausted in another year, less than a year, about a year and a half, actually. If the current tax 
application applies. According to the CBO, there would be about $195 billion shortfall across the nine-year period from 22 to 31 based on the current tax projected revenue that comes from the, the, the current way it's set up. You know, right now, um, again, like I say, almost all of it is dependent on fuel taxes of some sort. So, you know, based on these fuel efficiencies, based on driving further with less fuel, based on all this stuff, they need to retarget how to do this. So how do you save this fund? Well, there are, are several different ways people are projecting they should try to save this fund. Now, whether they should or not is, is kind of the reason for this conversation. You know, should, should we be looking at, say, a um, increase of taxes by 15 or even 35 cents a gallon adjusted for inflation thereafter? That's, those are a couple of different options. Using the 15 cent scenario, the HDF revenues would rise by $26 billion in 2023. This would eliminate the shortfall entirely and provide an additional $95 billion over the course of time up to 2031. If it's $0.35 cent scenario, the, the, fund revenue, the fund's revenue would rise by $60 billion in 2023, and the cumulative fuel tax receipts up through 31 would be about $627 billion more than the CBO projects is needed for the baseline on that, which is kind of overkill. But that's kind of the way things are done these days is overkill, right? Uh, we, you know, they throw out something that's way, way above and beyond the need or the expectation with the understanding that somewhere in the negotiation process it would fall below that. Now, increasing taxes directly or even indirectly on consumers is not very popular and is would be a hard thing to move through Congress in any effect. Um, so I, I kind of doubt that we will see anything but an incremental change in that right now. I could be wrong. It seems like the world we live in today, post-COVID, almost post-COVID, whatever you want to call it, seems to be chuck full of opportunities for all of our elected officials to try to jam every single thing possible down our throats. And the thing I want people to, to always remember, and I'll say this repeatedly on a whole bunch of things, of topics that I talk about, but you really do, I know it's an old adage, but you really do have to follow the money as to where this stuff comes from. And taxes can be called all kinds of things, and they can you can skirt around the issues of what is a tax and how it's applied and who gets has to pay for the tax, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, our world in in, in the United States, at least, everything is dependent on you and I. We are the consumers of everything. We are the ones that consume services and products, et cetera. And the cost for doing those is always dictated by the cost for those providing things for us, services or products, et cetera. And as the cost of those services or products go up for those that are providing for us, those trickle down to those paying for it. And then it's up to us with the supply and demand ethos of economics today to decide whether or not those things that we're paying for are worth what we're paying for them. And that's how the world adjusts. That's how free market and capitalism and free enterprise moves itself along in an evolving process that legitimately is the best workable um, arrangement that any country has ever come up with. 
There's a lot of debate around that, and I'm not here to debate that. But back to what we're talking about. Do you throw a big tax like 15 cents, 35 cents on the, on the gallon into that to make up the deficit? Or, as more likely, is that you do two, uh, one of two other things. You include some sort of um, tax for miles driven instead. Because that's certainly way to turn around. Now, people that have bought electric cars, whether they were subsidized or not, are not going to like that a whole lot. The whole EV industry, which is being pushed dramatically, seems to me to be able to push that and put in the stations and everything else people are looking for. You'd almost have to have some kind of tax for the miles driven versus, versus otherwise. The thing that's not thought out well in this kind of possibility or proposition is how much less people would drive. Now, this last year has shown us that people will change dramatically their habits to stay and work at home. And if they stay at work at home, are they driving as much? Perhaps they'll drive the same amount because maybe they won't fly as much. But all these things are interconnected in a, in a web of, of activity that human beings in our society today, you know, are a part of. And so nothing can be looked at in a vacuum. Things got to be looked at in context with each other. Excuse the sip of the coffee I needed today. So attacks like that, but the, the secondary in most unfortunate way that most of this stuff is, is driven home and financed is through borrowing from the general funds. These are giant war chests. You know, what if war chests are supposed to be rainy days? They're not supposed to be used for everything under the sun. But over the course of time, there have been uh, several occasions for the Highway Trust Fund in particular that have used the general fund to do such a thing. And I'm, and I'm 100% sure that, that, uh, that people to judge is uh, looking at that as a possibility to use some of the general fund and, and being committed to that. I think he's already said that he's committed to it. So ultimately using this, um, you know, highway trust fund and trying to finance it properly because there have been a transfer from the general fund of about $150 billion over the course of the last number since 2008 into that fund to make up for the differences in the taxes collected and what was needed to preserve some infrastructure. That could be part of the reason the infrastructure is so far behind. Now, there's a lot of layers to this in, in that there are local municipalities in their state and then federal government all with their hand in trying to decide what has to be done, when it has to be done, and where do you prioritize things. And a lot of those will follow the politics, of course, but they'll also follow, there's a deterministic uh, affect to, to uh, decision-making when it comes to infrastructure projects that are not involved in big omnibus bills like what's going on now. And usually it's, it's urgency based on, you know, uh, emergency, emergency urgency, right? So you know, we've talked about this before where there has to be some kind of uh, major disaster to force dollars into a particular fund. A lot of times it's a band-aid approach where, where the federal or state or local dollars will will manage to cross the broad sped and everything will be band-aided up just so that it continues to be workable instead of actually fixing the under, underpinning and underlying problems that may be evident. So that's one of the things that we look at today. And, and ultimately, 
I believe that this this government will look to um, um, fund it at least in part with with general funds. Now the you know House lawmakers have already approved approved thirteen point six billion lifeline for the highway trust fund, which again that comes from that 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 was back in twenty twenty. That was a lifeline to get it to the September thirtieth deadline. Now they could do that again and extend another lifeline. That would be my suspicion. But ultimately we're still being directionalized to a point where we're moving things to toward some sort of additional tax. And that's what I wanted everybody to be aware of because there's coalitions of business that are fighting this. There's coalitions of business that want this. There are, there are shifts in our economy today that are pointing in the direction where there's a need for change in this direction. So sus- I suspect that something will be coming. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's kind of like we, we talked about in, you know, podcast a little bit ago, you've got this thing called regulatory capture that needs to be always thought about in terms of, of how these things are implemented and who gets to choose how they're managed and where the dollars are fed. Now, it would be important to note that the head of the DOT right now, you know, Pete Buttigieg, uh, did during his time campaigning to be president, had pledged that he would actually double he pledged $165 billion to the highway, tra- the tra- the highway Trust Fund excuse me, to keep it solvent through 2029. Now, how he was planning on doing that, uh, on top of that was the additional trillion-dollar infrastructure pro- program that he wanted to, to come up with, which is kind of part of the Biden administration bills now. So it's very interesting how all this is developed over time and the, the power brokers that are in play to make it happen. But, but ultimately, I, I think where we're headed is with our economy shifting in the way it is. I think ultimately we are, we are marching very fast toward a additional tax, but on miles driven. I think that's a usage tax, which is, is kind of the way a lot of businesses do their, their, do their thing now in terms of taxes and usage for heavy heavyweight vehicles, et cetera. And there's probably going to be, if you have a... a It'd probably be a tiered system, a lot like it is with electric delivery, water delivery, etc. I just thought it was very important to take a few minutes today to note what's going on with the Highway Trust Fund, how it seems like the wrong terminology to use, since the idea, to, I know trust can be used in a lot of different ways, but it has that, that double meaning that we like to think about, and the, the fact is, is we can't trust the trust fund. That's really what it comes down to. You can't trust this trust fund because the trust fund is going to take yours and my trust away. And uh, there's a lot of things being applied today. Um, we could talk about capital gains and things like that, that that are going to surprise a lot of people on the, the effect that they're going to have on our own personal economies. Because while our overall national economy, our federal economy, state, local economies are very important to us to sustain the quality of life we have, our own personal economy, and that's the economy surrounding us and the people we care for the most, is what we look at first. It is our human nature to be most interested in the things that we are looking at internally first. But it's very also much human nature to ignore those things that may apply to our own personal economy that we're not looking at properly. So beware of what's going on around you. 
use a podcast like this. Use a video like this. Use our www.ilovelogistics.com website. Come join the community. Understand what's affecting you now, both as a transportation professional, how we can win through through understanding these things around us, both on a professional and a personal basis, because that's really what it's all about. Take care, and we'll see you very soon on the next edition of Jaws Bites.